It's time once again for another episode of All That's Jazz, the podcast that explores everything in the world of jazz. And here now is your host, Alan Scott. Hello and welcome to another episode of All That's Jazz. Today my guest is vocalist and master song, singer, and interpreter John Minock, whose latest album is called Simplicity on Dot Time Records. The laughs we shared as we made dinner Warm sunlight on our bed at dawn To see life more as a beginner Simplicity This marvelous album is in partnership with saxophonist, composer, and NEA jazz master Dave Liebman. Simplicity includes original compositions and an exquisite presentation of some well-known jazz standards. On that note, John, good afternoon, and thanks for joining us on All That's Jazz. Thank you very much. It is great to be here. This is going to be very fun. I'm very much looking forward to it. As am I. And I will say that, first of all, there there have been some interpretations of you or quotes about you that I, I think truly are reflective. Like, for example, from Downbeat magazine, Minock's phrasing seamlessly veers from romantic to lighthearted and acerbic modes along with an accomplished crew. And you certainly do gather some incredible musicians and an ensemble to back you up for your interpretation of song. Thank you very much. Thank you. Um, I do have really good musicians. One thing that I think helps is I am uh, somewhat of an over-communicator, I think. So I will tell the musicians, you know, during the breaks and the setup, here's the reason I'm doing this song. Here's, I'll make some jokes, tell them some background, maybe something embarrassing about myself. There's a few embarrassing things about me. Anyway, but, uh, you know, be candid with why am I doing this song? What am I feeling? You know, and, uh, you know, I don't know that they, I, that they, I don't know that they know they want to hear this. This is interesting information for them. It will change a bit of the color and approach to, you know, the song. I can be sarcastic on this new album, Simplicity. Uh, when I'm sarcastic, the piano player is sarcastic. You know what I mean? They, they can see that if there's an emotion coming from me, they'll pick right up on it. So it's, the, you know, it's a conversation before, during the music, and after the music is the whole you know, communication aspect that I think is very helpful. Dave Liebman's idea for this album, you know, I work a great deal with Dave Liebman, great guy, we get along just wonderfully. It is so great working with this guy. He said for this album, John, I'm not sure everyone gets that you can really sing. You know, you've done some albums, a couple of political standpoints, some you know, message, political messages. Uh, let's and make sure without compromising anything on this album, we get the musical, your musicality well across. So we had a meeting with the piano player and composer Matisse Picard. We got to go, went through the songs. Here's the one you can express on. Let's take this one and change it, you know, so that it really, so Dave Lehman was great in this particular album, Simplicity. 
great and making sure we got some musicality across. And indeed you do. And what a what a dynamic duo between yourself and Dave. I mean, it, it, it's like you, you respond very well to each other and he yes, interprets heard, you, you interpret him, and there's right. a conversation going on. Uh, but yet you feel like you're you're okay. You're involved in the story too. Yeah, yeah. And you know, uh, that, I, thank you very much. I've heard that from other people, especially people who are big uh, Dave Lehman fans and avant-garde jazz fans. You know, D Dave Lehman is the top avant-garde saxophonist. But at the same time, also, Dave says, I've heard him say this in interviews, part of what he does is singing. He feels that his saxophone playing is singing. He's expressing, you know, singing like emotion through his saxophone playing. So he told me that a long time ago. So, uh, it, and now when I first started, of course, I was nervous as all get out, don't get me wrong. But I wanted that call and response. The first thing I requested, he, you know, he said, John, on one song, don't just do my, my usual go crazy avant-garde thing. I said, as much as I, I literally said, everyone loves that, Dave. But I was thinking more of a call and response thing. Let's get a conversation going. And it's been going since. Well, and also uh, another description of you uh, is in one of your press releases that says, reflecting harmonic sophistication, heartbreaking subtlety, and homage to his beloved LGBTQ plus community. Yes, yes. All aspects, especially on this new album, we really tried to up the game in terms of the harmonics. A little more challenging. I mean, it took a little more work, but I, you know, it was a great challenge to have. One thing is it, I, that just allowed me to express some things maybe I hadn't expressed in the past. But uh, uh, as, when we were chatting earlier, one thing about me is, uh, especially someone of my demographic, that is age, um, who's been through the gay community experiences of the last few decades, there's a lot of introspection that occurs, a lot of figuring things out, how to interact in different situations, what to tell to who, to how much, and that kind of thing. So a, a lot of that comes out here and there within the music. You know, the inner dialogues I've had with myself, I'm perfectly happy. And sometimes it comes up with a little bit, it's expressive in a, in a lonely way. I've never really been able to discuss with anyone, but this is how I felt. It's been an experience being in the last few decades, and I'm happy to try to turn that around and put it right into the music. I, I'm a new fan. I, I, I don't know what to say Thank other you. than where the hell have you been all my jazz life? <laughs> If more men would say that to me. <laughs> <laughs> also, uh, another description of you, you really are a storyteller, and you tell that story with emotion. Your voice is crisp. It's uh, very distinct and clear. You articulate, but uh, also just the way that you interpret. Your voice is strong and dynamic, and it has power to it, and it's clearly understood. No lost words in your interpretations, like some yeah. vocalists. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It gets dropped. Yeah. Um, that I've heard in the cabaret world, I've heard a number of singers. I have a, I'm a fan of the singer Maureen McGovern. She's an American songbook singer. And she is also very front and center with her vocals. Very front and center. That's when, and that was one of my, uh, you know, trainings in my background. One of my aspirations even on this album is make sure that every nuance, every attack, every sustain, every release, they hear the, the in-breath, the out-breath, the hiccup, whatever it is, and let them hear it because that's the human experience. 
Well, I, I had a, an acting coach one time when I decided to do community theater and uh, yeah. some other things when I was in university. And, you know, I always remembered her saying, you know, from the diaphragm, project yeah. out to the back of the audience, yeah. articulate, be crisp yeah. on your words, let them yeah. hear the T's and the S's right. and right. the P's. Right. Uh, so, and, and every aspect of the P, from the opening to the, how you release it, every aspect of that letter. And as a beginning, every letter has a beginning, middle, and end. You let them have it all. Um, in terms of diaphragm, I started as a tubist. I was a tuba player in high school. So uh, breathing was my thing right up front. <laughs> I, I'm glad you mentioned that because I was going to ask you about some of your background. Uh, yeah. You obviously were not born a vocalist. Uh, it right. must have been a talent that you developed. But earlier, right. as you've now uh, revealed uh, that you were a, a tubist, and yeah. where did where did the uh, the musical element of your life begin? I, that's an interesting question. I, and, and when I was back in grade school, I believe um, it was the school system had a policy. Fourth graders start on string instruments. All other instruments start in fifth grade. So they almost went to everybody and said, why don't all of you try an instrument? I tried violin in fourth grade. didn't go well. Fifth grade, I tried baritone, you know, or euphonium, that sort of small tube. It went well, and I enjoyed it. My best friend at the time is still my best friend today, another baritone player. My Boston piano player is also an ex-tubist. And my ex-partner is also an ex-euphonium player. So I don't know why I attract all these bass playing, you know, uh, people in my life. But anyway, um, in my family, there is musical talent in some of the members. My, I had a brother who was a great drummer in high school. He didn't really pursue it. Another brother of mine was a singer, uh, pursued it a little bit. I could tell my mother and my grandmother had great musical talent. They'd listen to, not a lot, but any time they listen to music, it was pretty higher order stuff, not just pop radio stuff. So anyway, there is some music in my family, and uh, but I just kept pursuing it. In my 20s, I was really, you know, after I'd fully matured physically and brain, you know, after you're about 25, you're starting to, that's pretty much your set as an adult. That's when I started singing, and I've just kept going right from then. It was a learned experience. I learned to sing. I'm not a natural singer. It's, it's from practice and training. A lot of training. Great training. She did great. Deanna Thompson did a great job. Now, you were a graduate of Boston University. Did you That's study right. any uh, vocal curriculum uh, there? No, no vocals. I, I was, it was like uh, music history. Mu uh, music, it was like a musicology major, theory and history. I didn't even play tuba much in, uh, in uh, college. It was only later that I started, when I was at 28 is when I started to sing. Did, did somebody recognize that, or, or were you like the, the closet uh, shower singer that all of a sudden someone heard and said, you know, boy, you should try this? <laughs> yeah, yeah. You're not bad. You've got a mic. No. All I did was uh, I just decided I wanted to try. I always wanted to do it, so I tried it. I was in a couple of college productions, you know, shows and stuff. But as a 28, I said, let's jump in with both feet and see what happens. Now, it took a long time, but uh, it, it, it came to, it took, took many years of work, practice, trying open mic things, jazz open mics, cabaret open mics, small gigs, guest, you know, being a guest at somebody else's gig. And, and, and also, I, you're developing skills as a front person as well. How to handle an audience in a small room, how to handle hecklers, how to get them on your side. And I've learned a lot of uh, show, uh, small room show tricks as well. 
Well, and those are important, as uh, you know quite well, I'm sure, that you, you've got to handle it all because sometimes the audience is with you and sometimes it's like, sometimes they ain't. Uh, hello, right. is there anybody out there tonight? Yeah, uh, uh, yeah. yeah, I'll be at the bar if anyone needs me. <laughs> are, are, are you a server or are you actually part of the audience? Uh, anyway. Yeah, yeah, yes. So. so you do have to be very, and that was being developed over that time. It's both being able to be a musician and do recordings, but then also be a performer in a live small music space. Those are all different. There's many skills mixed in there. One of the things that I noted in listening to your music is you have an incredible range. And maybe maybe some of that yes. is from your being a tubist or, or having uh, the baritone yes. in your life. Yes. That is interesting. I heard this in high school. If you start in the bass clef, it's easier to go up. It's psychologically easier for people who start in the bass clef to move up to the higher clef than people who start in the higher clefs and move down to the lower clefs. That, I've heard of that as a tendency in, the, in um, musicianship. So um, I, I'm very comfortable down in the basement. I call it being a basement dweller. I'm very comfortable down there. I know how to support the upper notes from the basement, and I think it really did pay off. I can start low and go up way high and go right back down again. I'm comfortable with, uh, with the, the foundation. I was started in the foundation. Well, I will tell you that there's no question about it. Uh, you, you know how to bring it. Uh, and, 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 and you can do it all. Uh, I, 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 don't, I don't know if you've ever tried falsetto because you're talking about if you can start in the basement and move up, it's a little yeah. easier. Yeah. My flip to falsetto, um, I haven't really developed it. I, I do it on a couple of songs. Um, I will tell you this, though. In the last few years, my high note, my comfortable, you know, you know that sort of money note has gone from F above middle C to A flat above middle C. It's risen. Wow. In the last few years. And that, I think that's just from uh, I have sung with so much regularity. And uh, that, again, it's professional training. I've never had an issue with those nodes or whatever. I've always, I've never had an issue singing. I'm very well trained. I, I do the right exercises. But yeah, my range went up by a third in the last few years. I think that's uncommon at my age. <laughs> you really do emote the feelings and the experiences that you've had in life. And it, it doesn't take long before you get drawn into the story uh, and sure. and listening to the lyrics because uh, I I don't know how much of your work is uh, your own composition versus that of others, yeah. But it seems to be that it would be more predominantly your composition or at least yeah. your lyrics by the life experiences that you've had. Yeah, yeah. Um, I can almost always find a character in a song of of, of myself. You know. Um, Something that's an extension of myself without with being true to myself. If if I'm not, I haven't done a song that's not true to me, that or at least I can't make true to me in the last probably five years. You know, I, it has to be able to be uh, something uh, that I can have a plot line of something I did or might do, and ha I have to be that character somehow. Well, I I think John that it shows because in listening to a couple of songs of yours. I, I very quickly came to the conclusion he actually experienced that. That yeah, happened to him. This yeah. isn't just his interpretation of somebody else's life. It's like, yeah. that's his yeah. life. He knew yeah. that. He, he's been there. He's done that. 
Yeah, unfortunately, yes, a lot of that is true. Yes, it, ha- it is. I'll tell you something else. The more true I am to the material, whether it's original compositions or seeking out those that I can be true with, the better the show gets. Mm-hmm. The more I can be me, you know, I, I, ha- I leapt forward a little bit when I started to work at a club called Don't Tell Mama. It's the leading, you know, local uh, cabaret room in New York City. It's right in Hell's Kitchen, which is one of the big LGBTQ neighborhoods. You know, I'm up on stage singing, you don't know what love is. And I think to myself, someone is probably experiencing, experiencing this exact same thing in the L- a gay community on this street right now. Out on the, you know what I mean? It, it's, it, it, it's even around me. This express, I did a song of B.B. Uh, King's Never Make Your Move Too Soon. If, if you know that that song, I do, and uh, I adapted the lyrics to be something about uh, instead of re- uh, keynote card credit card. After the show, a friend of mine said, "Oh yeah, I just broke up with somebody. I have to cancel some credit cards." <laughs> <laughs> like it, it was a reminder, you know, it's like you broke up with somebody, but you didn't cancel all the financials, and things started going wrong. I mean, it really rang true. Those things happen, you know, a block away. <laughs> so that was helpful as well. Tell me how it is you became associated with Dave Liebman. On the album we did right around the corner, I will tell you a story that is just one of the greatest things. So Dave Liebman, I emailed him. He agreed to do a couple of songs. We did Skylark and New York, New York on that album. At the end of the gig, Dave Liebman said to me, you know, John, you and I should uh, do a show together. Now, when Dave Liebman says that to you, you know, first of all, it did not register what he what he said. You know what I mean? I, I couldn't take it in. It took me three days to completely figure out what that meant. <laughs> well, I, I get the impression from listening to the two of you and your collaboration right. is that he has the greatest respect for you, and you're probably his favorite vocalist, and he's yeah. probably your favorite player. Yeah, yes, yes. I, I'm going to guess mo- all of that is probably pretty close. And it is, as we discussed a little earlier, it's, and I think it's when I, I think I said this before, uh, the thing about he asked if, did I want his standard avant-garde, you know, peel the paint off the walls playing. And I said, how about we try some call and response stuff? You know, and it was the beginning of that conversation. First of all, who has the guts to say to Dave Lehman, let's do a, let, let's do a conversation when you've just met him? That was pretty gutsy. But anyway, um, it worked out. And we've been doing a musical conversation ever since. Well, one of the first albums right around the corner uh, was with Dave. Harry Cove is with Dave. And now the new one, Simplicity, is with Dave. Yes. So this could be the start of something big. (laughs) Maybe that'll be the next album. I I wish I had a pen right on me. I do expect royalties if that happens. In jazz? That's very interesting. <laughs> yeah, right. Good luck with that, mister. Uh, anyway. So, but obviously there's a trend here. And, and, and again, I think there's a musical respect uh, yeah. and appreciation of each other's talents. Yes, yes, yes. You know, I do. As I said earlier, I was nervous when I first met him, nervous when I first interacted with him. But it's important, and I think it's important to get relaxed with people. You know, don't over, don't get all uptight because the collaboration is going to occur when you're both relaxed. So when when I first was meeting with him, we'd have some personal discussions. You know, he even asked me, how did my parents find out I was gay? We had some very personal discussions about stuff. 
this is how we got to know each other. And um, with that as a background, now you can go on to collaborate. He can be a little more honest with me. I can be a little more honest with him and so on and so on and so on. So when you did the album Herring Cove, yeah. correct me if I'm wrong on this interpretation, but it, it seems kind of like a, uh, a thematic uh, approach to Herring Cove, which is uh, connected to Provincetown. Correct. Uh, and and yes. that's the, the, the center of... Uh, uh, a great deal of the gay community and yeah, there, right. are, there are lots of relationships that have formed or have been broken or somehow <laughs> been a part of this experience uh, in yeah. that area. Yes, that's right. Yes, yes. It is a society, a social scene in and of itself, not just a vacation place, not just a summer place, but it is a social system in and of itself. And uh, my, my friend Eric Holmberg, who wrote the lyrics for many of the songs, had a partner and he would go to um, Provincetown with very often. They used to love to go to Heron Cove. If you've listened to the album, the song Heron Cove is about the loss of that partner to AIDS. And, um, you know, it's, there's, I mean, very deep experiences for a place like that. You see what I'm saying? Mm -hmm. So uh, it, that, Provincetown in and of itself is rich in those experiences. And the theme of the album is, you know, experiences from the LGBTQ community. So we thought we would call the album Herring Cove. And that was a nice centerpiece for the thematic areas of the rest of the album. And so having said that, uh, with the latest album, Simplicity, was this meant to be a continuation of that story or that theme? Or was it just happenstance that there is maybe some connection to it? Yes and yes and no and no. I don't know. <laughs> sort of. There, you know, it's a, it's, there's certainly a build. There's a connection between the two. We didn't want a, another Herring Cove album, but certainly there is still more to express about the LGBTQ community. There always will be. And um, that's sort of part of my um, charter is to maintain subject matter that is, pertains or at least uh, somewhat um, common in the LGBTQ community. At the same time, we wanted to move to a different sort of harmonic approach. In some ways, I'll, I'll tell you when we did Angel Eyes on this album, Simplicity. It's the first time in a studio setting, because uh, Dave's wife, Karis, was there, and she said, the first round, she said, John, you're singing it a little uh, plot-oriented. Try to just feel the vibe of the other musicians. Don't, you know, don't try to deliver a story to an audience right now. Just feel the And it, she was absolutely right. It's the first time I ever just sat in my booth, focused on what's everyone else doing right now. I'll do that. So uh, that was an these are the, the, a new type of experience, a new way of doing music that um, in the recording studio that we hadn't done before. So it's building on Heron Co., but we're just, we're going to continue in that journey, I think. Right, and I will tell you that Angel Eyes is amazing. And you're a very generous artist to give the platform to Dave that he had on Angel Eyes because yeah. Dave's interpretation of that is you can't help but then form the opinion that this is uh, one of the greats in this business yeah. and you can hear it note for note for note and it goes yeah. on for minutes, not seconds, like some yeah. intros to a vocalist's uh, song. Yeah, but you give he made Dave, a full statement. Right, you did. You gave him that whole latitude of, of yeah. freedom 
to express yeah. himself and establish himself in that piece. Yeah. And then you came in like three and a half minutes later. You know, it's almost like <laughs> maybe you could think of it as two guys in the same bar having the same experience. And that's not uncommon. You know, I'm a bar fly, bar scene, looking for love in all the wrong places. There's more than one of us in here tonight. Here's one on one corner of the bar. Here's, you know, it's almost like, and you don't even know each other. You never will. But the same story is happening in the same place. And it's it's truly an amazing piece, uh, as is everything on this album. And if you don't mind, John, uh, with a, a little bit of your indulgence, uh, let's go through some of the album. First of all, let's start with the title, Simplicity. Yeah. Uh, it's not only the opening track on the album, yeah. but is that the theme of, of what it is? And what is that theme? Um, uh it, 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 it's almost kind of a theme as, as the last album was very um, uh, uh, subject matter oriented. Herring Cove, you know, is a place that evokes imagery and there's many plot oriented songs, a lot of statements from the LGBTQ community. We, you know, this album was a little more the, the simple goal of musicianship. You know, as I said, we wanted to make sure that the vibe is the thing. The, 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 the overall, uh, it, it, whatever is evoked on each song, make sure that is what, it's not simple to do, don't get me wrong. But, uh, and that's similar for the song uh, Simplicity. Simplicity is written by David Shire. Uh, are you familiar with David Shire's work? Uh, yes, he's the, the guy who's won it all. He's uh, won it all, yes. Uh, yeah. Oscars, Emmys. Yeah, uh, Grammys. Uh, Grammys. He worked uh, very closely with Barbara Streisand during the 1960s. He was music director on a lot of her TV specials. Writes a lot of movie scores, Broadway shows, highly respected in the music industry. He turned out to be a friend of a friend. And uh, I expressed to this friend, I didn't even know when I knew this friend. She said, you know, her name's Catherine Sakura. She's married to Eric Mingus, by the way. She said, uh, oh, you know, by the way, John, I don't know if I ever told you, I know David Shire really well. Of course, I flipped out. I'm a huge David Shire fan. And I, I said to her, well, be sure to, I wasn't sure how she knew. I said, be sure to tell him that I'm a big fan of his. And she said, well, I'm, I'm driving his car right now, so I'm going to see him in about 20 minutes. So I'll just deliver that message. <laughs> so, I mean, she really knows it. So, uh, and uh, he came to one of my shows and uh, he had, and uh, he wrote one of the songs as part of thematic material for Heron Cove called After All These Years about, uh, you know, uh, gay marriage, you know, it was a couple, and the plot line of that song is a couple been together for decades and finally have the right to marry, and that's wonderful. But then he had another song he'd written called Simplicity, and when he came to my show, he said, John, there's another song I think you might do well on I've written called Simplicity. Simplicity. 
her backyard softball game on Sunday. The perfume of a new moon long to say to hell with work on Monday. song simplicity is it's it's it's, a, it's almost meditative but the comment is you don't really know how complex it is to make life simple you see what i'm saying mm-hmm. it's not easy to be simple as johnny carson said about diana ross once you have no idea how hard it is to make it look that easy <laughs> so another one of the tracks on this album that was uh, a favorite of mine was uh bordeaux tell oh me, good thank you tell Isn't me that about nice? that that's a beautiful song. Um, Eric Holmberg wrote a beautiful lyric, very romantic. Uh, I mentioned earlier, one of my favorite singers is Maureen McGovern, and she did a couple albums with the piano player Mike Renzi, where it was just piano and voice. And they would do the great versions with, you know, with just voice and piano. You know, you don't need the whole orchestra in what they're doing. My goal was to get to that level. Voice is front and center, piano is front and center, and I've always wondered how they did it. And it's the interaction. Each, each player, I, I wasn't in the studio with Ms. McGovern or Mr. Renzi, who passed away about a year ago. Uh, but um, the way it worked with me and uh, Matisse Picard is we are so intent on what each other's doing. And we're paying with such rapt attention during, when we go through it once. that By the time we're recording it, he knows what I'm going to do. I know what he's going to do. And we do it at the same time as we're for... Yeah, a couple in sync or something like that. like a star and in my heart you're never too far soon I'll get down on my knee propose to you across the sea Bordeaux will be he and I were so in sync on that song it just came out just right and indeed it did. I, I love the tune, and I hope I'm picking some of the favorites. Why did you choose to do Maiden Voyage? Uh, that's an interesting question. Where well, we were goofing around with it uh, during our first meeting with Dave Lee and Matisse Picard and me. We started to just sort of noodle with it in the studio. I said to everybody, does everyone know Maiden Voyage? I'm pretty sure you do. And everyone said, yes, okay, let's do it. Dream, 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 dream. 
I'm done. That's the whole story. Oh, great. <laughs> well, it, it, it's really well done. So of the eight tracks that are on this album, which of those are, are specifically your compositions? Uh, most now, Matisse Picard, Eric Cohenberg did most of the lyric writing. I just put my name in. If I'd have to tweak to you know some things or change a, a couple lines or whatever to help out uh, with the lyrics. Uh, the original song of our team. By the way, I don't like to say music by this person, lyrics by this person. Mm-hmm. I like to say music and lyrics by this bunch of folks. <laughs> you know, because <laughs> we there's some melody stuff. I, you know, we're all working together. So back to which ones are original? Let's see. I think there's four. Bordeaux. Um, he was Brazilian. Um, what else is it? Uh, Everything reminds me of you. A song new to these old ears, smiling beneath a blue sky. Even now, after all these years, everything That's a very nice romantic tune. That's for and uh, and uh, the other one is Cape Scent. The Cape Sand Blue Waves Bend Together As one The seagulls fly Beneath the sky So those are the four original tunes. So tell me about uh, He Was Brazilian. Is that a reflection of uh, a relationship? <laughs> um, yes, <laughs> it's a, really about sort of a quick romantic tryst, maybe a weekend of an active romantic tryst, a very sexual, <laughs> is really what it's about. It was almost like your boyfriend, you're in a relationship for just three days. It's almost over romantic, but when it's done, it's done. And you look back on it fondly. was Brazilian Can't recall his height Hair in the moonlight I remember his eyes were gray In Rio on holiday He was Brazilian Others. If I had my druthers, I 
can say something similar has happened to me in my background. So it, it's reasonably sexual. <laughs> you've had these albums that you've worked with Dave Liebman. Uh, where do you go next, John? What, are the two of you going to continue uh, work and do this collaboration, uh, or are you branching out to some other things? For probably. Your... We'll probably continue. It seems to be working okay. <laughs> he's, he, he's got some real promise. <laughs> <laughs> I'm glad he'll be uh, he'll be happy to hear that. Happy to hear that. Um, no, uh, that is working. I think he's going to be involved no matter what. It's a, it's a great consistency, and uh, we do enjoy working with each other. And let's face it, he won't let anything leave the factory floor unless it's good. You know what I mean? Mm-hmm. So you know, a friend of mine asked John, "Are you worried that these albums won't be well received?" I am not. <laughs> because, you know, at least it's, it's got, Dave Lynn is going to make sure it gets to a certain level. You know, he's, he's really very professional. How would some of our listeners get to know more about you and your music? You have a website. Yes. Have, yes. Uh, www.johnminnick.com. Yes. And are you engaged with social media? Um, mostly uh, stuff on Facebook, Twitter, the, the standard social media stuff. So, yes, it's at John Minnick on uh, Twitter, uh, John Minnick on Facebook, and uh, anyone can look for those two items. It's a reasonably unique name, M-I-N-N-O-C-K, so um, I'm easy to find that way. And, uh, yes, so they can engage in any of the social media things and uh, start to learn more about what I'm up to, what I'm doing, especially now that the album has been launched. We're starting to get some good reviews. You know, things are gonna, should start, you know, building from there. And do get the albums at Dot Time Records. <laughs> Indeed, uh, there's no uh, question about it, uh, and uh, everybody should uh, check this out because the album, and all of your work for that matter, is is really quite stunning and uh, well worth the time to sit and listen and hear it all. As hear it all, that is uh, yeah, sound sound advice. Get it. So speaking of all, uh, you've accomplished much. Uh, you have experienced much what would you like the legacy of john minock to be (laughs) i think on seinfeld kramer said i do what i do it's you know it is not necessarily a goal to achieve this to do or get to this point i some people ask john what's your goal where would you see yourself going with this i'm like i don't know I'm just going to keep expressing what I express. You know, you do want to add a new element, bring in a new person, maybe collaborate with a different person to help move forward, get some other voices. And, you know, I was thinking there's many uh, younger people in the LGBTQ community now, maybe get their voices into the, the picture now. Not just me, you know, just, you know, these are my observations, but there's many other people's observations that could be uh, included as well. But uh, I do want to stay, I believe, no matter what happens, uh, absolutely, um, without any compromise to the LGBTQ thing. Well, it sounds like, John, you are on a musical journey right. that will take you wherever the tracks go. That's right. And you'd be the perfect travel companion to go along with. That's right. <laughs> That's right. Yeah, like on those movies where everyone's on a train and having experience. The experience is the train, not the destination. Yeah, I think that's, that's a good one. Yeah. 
Thank you for uh, taking us along for the ride thus far here. <laughs> Thank you very much. Let's keep traveling. <laughs> Indeed. And I, I would like to sincerely thank you for being our guest on All That's Jazz. Hey, thank you so much. This was great. Thank you very much, Alan. That's great. Thanks for listening to this episode of All That's Jazz with vocalist and master song interpreter John Minock. We'd like to thank Ben Sedrin for the use of Mr. P's Shuffle as our theme song. And visit us again next time for another interesting conversation on All That's Jazz. If you liked today's episode, please leave us a five-star rating on the streaming service you use. All That's Jazz is available on every major streaming app, including Podbean, Apple Podcast, and Spotify, as well as Facebook and online at allthatsjazz.net.